This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. The greatest gift I ever got was when I walk in and someone finds out who they know that I'll not only take pain with them, I'll die with them. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Don't so buckle up, Buttercup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening and watching, and please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button wherever you get your show. So today we're going to switch it up a little bit and we're doing an episode swap with our good friend Dale Brisby, who's the host of the Rodeo Time podcast and also a legendary bull riding gypsy soul. He's a great guy and also did a show recently with Marcus. I thought it was so great that I wanted you guys to listen to it. And if you have not done yet, go check out his channel. He's got some great content on there as well. But with that being said, thank you for listening and here we go. That feeling of nervousness, but then overcoming it, stepping off sure. the helo. I didn't come here to get hurt. I came here to hurt you. Yeah. This is the way it is. I understand what you were telling us when you sent us over there and what things were and why they were, but now we actually know. Mm. And some of us made it back. Rodeo Time, the podcast. Um, it's like a TNQ collab. Team never quit. We have in the house... The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Marcus Luttrell, along with the world's greatest bull rider. That's right. Just two greats right in the room. I'm honored to be in here. <laughs> You're honored to be in your I'm own house. to be in here. That's never happened before. You're honored to be in your That's own right. house yeah. with Dale Brisby. That's right. <laughs> I was in here, uh, It was, was it a full, it like two years ago? Maybe. Has or, it been that long? I think it That's was last... January, January 22. So it's almost the end of 23. So it was like, cooler. Right? Yeah, it was cooler. Yeah. So that was a, that was a, that, that was a period in my life where there was some changing going on. Going through a school. transitional period in my life right now, right? Is that what yeah. you're doing? I didn't I, know how, it. How, you never do. Yeah. Matter of fact, most people think that they're having problems. Yeah. Or that life just got hard on them for some reason. They'll blame anything and everything but the fact that they're making a transition. I guess because as you get older, really, people don't point it out. And I don't know what that is, but when you when you notice it, it's, it makes it a lot easier. It makes everything great, actually. Well, I kind, I kind of noticed some of it. I guess what I didn't notice is how much is the reason why is 
you know, in preparation, I uh, read your second book even mm. for this, and um, you know, read Lone Survivor, but I also read Service, and so coming on your podcast was like it began. It was the first of maybe a dozen books yeah. that came out of G Watt, and so. There, look at me calling it G-Watt even. <laughs> That's good. That's squared away. At least, yeah. There are certain things you say, I can hear it, and if I hear it come out of your mouth, I know you know some stuff. Yeah. I, I read, I, and they just happened, they were, they happened to be most of them, you know, Navy SEAL books. Yeah. So my G-Watts are completely different than the Storms and Shields and the Nam guys and the Koreans and the World War One, Two, all that. Yep. Completely different. Uh, yeah, so I read that book, and I really enjoyed service. And I wanted to keep reading books. As a believer, I was like, I need to, I want to also read some books that challenge my faith. Because, like, that one obviously challenged just me as a man, you know, physically. And and then I wanted to, um, so anyhow, I read, then I read, like, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, and I would alternate. And I went back, and then I read American Sniper, I read Mere Christianity. Then I read, uh, I could name them off if you weren't asking me on the podcast. No, it's good. Some of them are on that shelf right there. Right. End of the Fire, Dakota Meyer. You know, just a lot of y'all. The best a, one he's of, a Marine, about obviously. our crew is the fact that it's uh, the true stories. <laughs> like, life let, like life wrote that book. Yep. And um, you, you can tell when you read one of them. Yeah. And just lens perspective, especially from SEALs. Cause you got one from each walk of life down here and we all got thrown into the same mixer and it's just, I, they're my favorite. They're the one that motivate me more than anything. Well, you get mentioned in a lot of them. The, the ones that I read at least, you know, talking about, um, Jocko's books yeah. and Leif, all them guys, man, Leif we Rabin. all serve together. Right. This, this is the best part about this. And this, this goes for military wide is the fact that we were all over there together. Yeah. Like Dakota, all, all those guys, we right. didn't work together in there, but we were in the same blood, same mud is what we say. Yep. And when, what it does is it ties our worlds together because mm -hmm. we'll have been to some of the same places. And then you hear some of the scraps that our guys have been in. I was like, Oh, I've been there, man. I remember yes. that. Yeah. Rob O'Neill's books. Yeah. Robbie. How about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's two opposite ends of the spectrum in, the, in our community from Robbie's to what, uh, what happened to me is the worst and it lets you know what we can take. And then Robbie's in that squad lets you know how great we can be. Well, and he was even there on the mountain for had parts to come of get it. me. Yep. Everybody had to come get me. It was an all hands kind of deal. <laughs> it's on deck. They took me way down in the bottom. Right. And yeah. So when, if anybody says that they were in Afghanistan in 05, they had to come get me. Dang. I probably cost the taxpayers a lot of money trying to come down there. Don't hold me to it. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I read. Two books that were prior to like um what was it? Roberts Ridge yeah. and um Alone at Dawn. Yeah. Which they were both stories about Roberts Ridge, but Alone at Dawn is like a little later and have had to do more with Chapman yeah. and his story. Um but that to me, that was th those books were crazy because it kind of laid the groundwork of maybe what Afghanistan was like. Yeah. You know, and like it's a little, it's a lot more rugged than like when, because I always pictured Iraq as just everything that happened in those 20 years. Like I pictured that Most scenery. Do. Most do. But it's not. You think desert. Yes. And when people think desert, they think desert. Yes. 
And it's pretty amazing. And I read a study somewhere that 50% of some, all the people don't leave the town they grew up in. Right. Think about that. That's a lot. That's quite a bit, right? Yes. So fundamentally, what, how you perceive things are basically what you're shown in the first condition. You very rarely do you change that. And it's, and it goes for like mm -hmm. wars. Like, Hey, you may have fought in Iraq. It must've been the desert. It's not, we're just, it's just not desert. I mean, there's cities out there. Yeah. And it's, it goes to the way back Babylon. That's where we were. That's what Iraq is. Babylon and Afghanistan. You very beautiful mountainous terrain, there, mm -hmm. but there's flat thing. Matter of fact, if you, uh, Alexander the great, when he started doing his thing, when he came around Macedonia, went all the way through and came up, he stopped in Afghanistan. Along the way, he la he named all the towns Alexander, Alexandria, and stuff like that. I mean, you can follow this dude's path. You bet. And then you get into, um, I didn't know this, but I think it's Kandahar. They used to call Afghanistan Candyland because of the ruby, the, the, the jewels. Right. Priceless stones that are there. Right. And it makes sense, all the mountains and everything. You can't believe what's uh -huh. in there. And there used to be you, these beautiful carvings of everything in the mountains and everything, but it all got destroyed. Dang. Now it's all war-torn. That, that's what they like to do. They like to fight over there. It's still... You can still travel back in time on Earth and right. get a great glimpse of what that looks like. You just might have to fight the Taliban you, well, to you, do it. Well, you got to live like you got to exactly. When you go in there, you can see what it looks like way back in the day with no electricity. You know all that. It's still there. Yeah, it's, it's it's almost as like when the world when we started expanding and we started evolving as humans, man, or civilization started to do that. You can trace it. And you can see it, and it's still there. There's pockets and places that don't even. They've, I remember walking into a village and I've never seen a white dude. Dang. And you know how you know that? You can tell by the look on their face. Yeah. There's a look humans get when they when they see something for the first time. Right. They, they can't, they, 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 especially if they've heard about it. And with our crew, you got to think all those sci-fi movies that you watch. When you guys show up all kitted out. You can't and, believe it. <laughs> you talk about men falling out of the sky with glowing green eyes and they're bulletproof, painted up. That's, that's us. Yeah. The only way you get more advanced than us or deadly than us is you have to drop a nuke right because i mean short of ray guns and all that was which we you know we got all kinds of toys can't believe it yeah i, I can't as far as you could go i can't imagine seeing you guys for the first time ever at night it's terrifying can't see us looks <laughs> all you see is glowing green eyes yep from the nods and then fire comes out from from our hands because you can't see our rifles or these lasers show up some are visible some are invisible right and we don't talk. It's really quiet. All you hear are these explosions. Sometimes the house will be gone. You hear these cries and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it gets, this whirlwind shows up. Yeah. And just dirt flying everywhere. Can't see anything. And then we're gone. We just disappear. It's the sexiest thing you've ever seen. Like, don't think what you see walking around here in the States. And guys are like, oh, I was in the military. And I was a GWAT. And this, that, and the other. And you're looking at them. You look completely different when you climb on that bull. You know that? Right. Yeah, okay. you have to. You have to. You have That's to. a different dude. Correct. That shows up doing that. Yeah. I was with um, Governor Perry the other day. Somehow, some way, we started talking about rodeo, and he, he did something to me made me laugh real hard. And he, he was, I don't know how we managed to do it, but he started getting into the position of doing it, and he yeah. crosses it. He goes, all right, let him have me. <laughs> yeah, let him have me. Let him have me. Yeah. That's great, because that's what life's like. It's yeah. like, hey, man, there's some situations you get into. You'd be like, hey, I, didn't, I came here to jump on this sucker, but... There it's are, the other way around, right? <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in rodeo where sometimes like that's the look on their face where instead of like let me have him, they're saying like let, let him, him have, have me. me. <laughs> yeah, that's is we say that every now and then. Oh. But you can tell it, and I'm sure even over there, there's times when like 
I know uh, I can't remember the story of the one guy in Chris Kyle's book where you know he turned around his, and he just or no maybe it was Rob O'Neill but he kept turning around and the guy wasn't there he's supposed to be watching his back and and uh, he's one you know I'm sure there's guys that you ran around with that were kind of more the let him have me type but they want to um, they want to have fought. Oh, rather yeah. than they oh, love oh, I these understand fights. what you're saying. Sure. And then when they talk about it, you wouldn't know that that's the kind of person they were. Right. Oh, I get what you're saying. You I know, get what you're saying. There's sure. a lot of people in rodeo like that, where it's they're they're like when they nod, they got that look of let him have me. But when they're at the bar that night, you would think that they were oh, JB Moon. Buckle. You know, yeah, you'd think oh, that yeah. they were Chris <laughs> yeah, Shivers yeah, yeah. or somebody. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there were some people like that that, you know, maybe they they liked the idea of it more than. But what scares me is the people that love the actual fight. You know, that, well, that's they, how you they, know. That's how they're you, made for that. And I'm sure you, once they get to your level, you can't really fake your way to that, nope. to the level you guys are that's what our tra- That's why the training is designed the way it is, because people show up wanting to beat on their chest and thinking there's somebody, and I want to do this till the misery sets in. Mm-hmm. And that just separates them quick. I mean, real fast. You can't get around it. Yeah. Because we put you in every environment to bring out your mind, your body, and your spirit. One of those, if it's not, if all three of those aren't wired tight and working together, yeah, one will freaking own you, man. Yeah, you find it out real quick, and it's the elements that do that. Like all you have to do is step into into the elements with them. You don't have to apply any pressure and just see what happens. But were there still people that were like really good at it with training, but not so much in real life? Or did, did they did the training really? I'm sure there's some instances that are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, the training really does everything set up so what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You like I could give you the world, and if I don't give you any discipline, you won't own anything. You can't get anything done. But I can give you discipline and not give you anything else, and you'll have everything. So when we go in, it's just a kind of a test to see what you're made of, see why you really want to be there, see if it's worth being there. Because mm-hmm. you you. Whether you believe this or not, you are designed for something. Right. You can go off and do something else. That's free will. But you really are designed for something. And there's a calling, a purpose comes into your heart. You can't, can't, can't hide it. Like when you get around the guys you're supposed to be around, something lights up. You bet. When you start doing, when you step into the arena that you're supposed to be in, you light up. Yep. And dude could be the quietest, drag ass, laziest son of a gun you ever met until you threw his armor on him. And then you see a rampaging beast. Right. I mean, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. The nicest guy you have. Remember that. Anytime you're out running around, you run a dude who's real nice, all you know, trying to be nice. You're probably dealing with the deadliest thing on the planet. Yeah. I know that because I, I'm part of them. I'm in that fraternity. Yeah. There are guys in my fraternity that scare me. <laughs> scare me. Just because of how far they'll take it in the beginning. You got to understand there's levels. <laughs> yeah. Where they're supposed to be. I got guys that'll go from zero to hundred miles an hour in a second, just because that's that's what they are. Yeah, it's like a uh, everybody when they walk around, they see a dog that's well trained. Mm-hmm. They love it. Like when that sucker's sitting there and he's perched up and his eyes are locked on whatever it's supposed to be, his ears are straight up. And then you got the one that's not like that. Everyone still loves the one that's not disciplined, right? Yes. But when you see that sucker that walks in, it is it changes everything for sure. And what what our training does is it starts all that. And it keeps on. Imagine I'm raising kids now, so I'm always on my my kids about being disciplined and being a gentleman. You know how hard that is? Oh, man. Yeah. To stay stay for one day, 
all the time. It's, it's difficult. Like you actually have to put out to do that, to open the door every time the lady comes in, to say you're welcome after someone says you thank you. Stand up when she stands up. Sit down when she gets back. Right. That all that. All, everything that goes into making a gentleman or a knight or whatever you want to call them this day and age, it's actually tough yeah. to keep doing every one of them. And there's a checklist. But the more you do it, it just becomes repetitive. Your body will naturally absorb it. And that's the same way it is in the teams. I mean, we they that's all we do is train. It's like a UFC fighter or some anybody else who ropes all the time. If mm -hmm. all they're doing is that, regardless, if you're better than them, they can still get it. They'll still get it. American hats. You know why? Because I'm an American. I'm not a communist. I would be also wearing their t-shirt or a cap because I'm on a podcast. I got these headphones on, but they don't sell those. All they sell, all they make are cabo hats because they're cabos. If you want to be one, wear an American hat. So one thing I've thought about pretty much since I've read your book, Service, it, in, in regards to training, um, I think about it often, if not every day, every other day. Um, I'm sure you guys think about it a lot more too, but uh, the Mike Monsoor story. So to me, and and correct me if I'm wrong, was he on the rooftop with Marines or was it other SEALs? They were doing block clearance, house to house. And that was in Ramadi. Yeah, in Ramadi. And him and Mark Lee were together. Okay. So in, in the SEAL teams, if you get a Michael and a Marcus together, it's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> a Michael and a Mark. And a yeah. Michael and a Mark. You somebody's put the two getting, together, it's going to be on. Somebody's getting a medal. That's it. Somebody's getting, usually them are Michaels. If you look yeah. at our Medal of Honors, they're all Michaels. Yeah. Most of them. So um, I, I, I thought he was on a rooftop when that happened. Will you correct me on that story? He was coming up and he got killed in a stairwell. Monsoor or, um, did. Me, Mark did. Michael Ma got killed. Oh, grenade. Yeah, Monsoor. Jumped on a grenade. Right. Wasn't he on a rooftop? Rooftop, yeah. Grenade? Yeah, the grenade <clears throat> come over. So it's difficult to, it's like a rooftop could be another level in wherever in Iraq, they sleep on the roofs. Yes, sir. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So imagine they were all sitting in this, in this room squared up and a grenade came flying in there and he jumped on it. So you how imagine much, doing that? How I cannot. And that's my question. Do you like, know what, that's does how you training know do that? Well, anybody named Michael has a servant heart. Yeah. We just don't hand names out here for just indiscriminately. I, if a Michael walks in the freaking door, you you need to know two things about him. He probably likes to get out of line and raise hell. Yeah. He likes to be bad till he gets caught. Yeah. But that son of a gun, when it comes time to protect, he can't help it. Yeah. They can't help it. Anybody named Michael will do that. Yeah. Especially if they love you, even if they don't. And yeah, our training teaches all that and stuff like that. But man, when the rubber meets the road, it was like the first time you get shot at. You know, and that's why they do that stuff to us. And I, you can bet it was a mad dash to get on that grenade. Really? Yeah, with our guys. Who who was in there with him? Oh, I don't. I th I, I could have sworn reading your book. I thought you'd. Yeah, you'd, they're in there, but. But anyway. Yeah. Regardless, it, he jumped on it, he so they they would be safe, whether they were Marines or fellow yeah. SEALs. How about that? I can't imagine because how much time did he have? Less than a couple seconds. Enough time to know what was about to happen. And then react. not enough time to, to get that sucker out of there. Yeah. Like sometimes when those things roll in and it happens a lot, like it, in our crew, like they roll them up on us. These grenade teams come in hard and heavy. We'd have to kick them down the stairs or they wouldn't go in through the wind or whatever. But with them, they did. And then you, if you check our history in the military, there's a lot of guys who have had to do that. 
jump on grenades and die. So, so one of the reasons that I think about it so often is because, I mean, obviously he's an elite soldier, uh, you know, Navy SEAL, but like, is that even possible with like a civilian? Like, or does it, does, is the training something part of what gets him to that point? I mean, obviously. Yeah, sure. You, you would see it with a mom protecting her cubs, her that. kids. And it's something like, it had to be love. Because ultimately that's what drives that. You bet. You, I mean, you love the guys you're with. That, that's our baseline. You know that, right? That's yeah. why they do the things that they do to us and beat us to death and guys die. Like, if you're standing there and you're taking, someone's taking pain with you, especially if there's other dudes dying, and they just won't go anywhere. It changes everything. Yeah. Like the 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 greatest gift I ever got was when I walk in, and someone finds out who I'm. They know that I'll not only take pain with them, I'll die with them. I've already proven that multiple times. So it it opened up a world to me that that is hard to get into. And I, I didn't even want it. I didn't ask for that. That just it happened, right? So God's will. But when you're with these guys, they can't. You can't believe how much fun we have because our training sucks. It's always uh -huh. hard. Right. It just is. But then if you're doing something with your friends, it's not work. It's like, hey, I don't care what we're doing. If the, all the guys are there, you know how hard we're going to laugh? You know how hard we freaking laugh? I mean, you can because there's stuff we do that we get into that some of the guys aren't good at. And then you watch them struggle. <laughs> you know, a little suffering goes a long way, man. Yeah. And if you're, if you're suffering there with somebody else, it's not. It's, it removes a component. Being alone is terrible. That's usually when people end it because they're suffering silence. You know, and we're all suffering down here. Yeah, that DJ Shipley told me the same he's thing. Awesome dude. I was. He's the real deal. I was. He's one of the dudes about, I was afraid of. Um, about Mike, and that was the first thing he said. He's like, "Well, because I, I was." It's just intriguing to me. I think if if you were to give, you know, most, you know, adult males like. Like, hey, there's going to come this appointment you have on Friday. You're going to have to save some people, and you get ready for it. You get ready for it, and you're going, and then, all right, here it happens. But just the the him jumping on a grenade, like that's the epitome of, of a servant heart. But he only had two seconds, and that was his knee-jerk reaction. And DJ said, well, it's, you know, it's because his brothers are in there. Yeah. And so, like you said, love. You don't give a damn about yourself. Right. That goes away. You get rid of that in training. They pull that away from you. Yeah, That's probably why it's so hard on us when we get into the civilian world. Because you're used to being able to rely on everybody. And now you can't. And you can't. Because everyone's trying to get one on you. Or they think... And it's usually because they think you're trying to get one on them. No one is as... It, like, we pair up automatically. I get, You get my respect. That mm -hmm. trident says a lot. Mm -hmm. And then you have to lose it. And even then, it's difficult with us, man. It's freaking difficult. You know, because team guys, we like to mess up. Women, whiskey, all that stuff like that. <laughs> they get they get strung out on that stuff. You can't can't fault it for nothing. Boys will be boys, and my guys like to play a lot. Yeah, but that's part of the training, man. However, they captured that. And remember, if if I can handle that, and if I became this, so can you. I just hadn't leaned on you like that, because now we're all civilized. It's a voluntary thing. Mm -hmm. Like you got to want to go in there. Right. But a lot of you guys, you know, you shortchange yourselves. You think you're weaker than you actually are. That's a mental thing. Mm -hmm. And you know that because after you do something hard, you capture that mental co that clarity of what it is you just went through. And then not only that, you'll be able to see it. So you'll be standing next to somebody who didn't go through it and be like, oh, I can't do this. But you'll have already been through it. you be like, oh, yeah, you can. You bet. Not only can you handle this, you're going to do phenomenal in it. Well, I guess, 
you know, being a young male in 2023, having looked at our nation that's been in war and there's, you know, war fighters like yourself and Mike Monsoor and DJ Shipley that come out of that, it's impossible for a guy, especially someone who's in an adrenaline type game like rodeo to often wonder what I would have been like standing next to one of you guys or just what would I have done? Would yeah. I have, you know, not, not like, you know, could I shoot the best or run the fastest or pick up the most dudes, but you know, running out of a war field, but, but more like would I have given my all what I've done, what I've been able to, what I've wanted to jump on the grenade, you yeah. know, or would I be the, I think it was in Tim Kennedy's book. He was telling a story about, a guy who jumped the other way and they it, it ended up being a, a dud a dud and they they jokingly called him medal of honor for, <laughs> for oh you like, can't believe i mean the like, hard we can time. love like you can't believe but we'll we'll pick on you like you and matter, matter of fact most of our life is picking on each other right that's how you know they love you it's like hey man if i'm not messing with you is when you need to have a concern yeah yeah i mean like real concern <clears throat> if team guys aren't picking on you or I mean, they're not messing they're just kind of like that's a problem in our community. You, you need to know that about us. Like right. they switch everything on us. So when life throws a normal bad situation that would would be for y'all on us, it's not bad anymore. It's like, oh, that's, this is what I was designed for. Like I said, most of my guys have problems in y'all's world because it's it's boring. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of like just boring and whatnot, you you did you you came out of SEAL training in 05? Uh 01. Golly, what? Actually, 2000. I was the first class to graduate out of there, second class to graduate in 2000. 05 is when. Oh, I was already, I'd been in for that's a That's when you were, that's when some other stuff went down. Yeah. So you came out. Um, I came into the SEAL teams back in the 1900s. It was, right. it was the Wild West when you were over there compared to oh. the, compared let me, let to towards the end. They hadn't made a movie or written a book about it, what it was like in Iraq and Afghanistan when we first got there. Because now we won't give you all that. Yeah. No way. Wild West, that's that's easy. There's women there. Yeah. Where we went, there wasn't. You understand me? Like, we, right. you talk about men doing the, we took as far as we could go. Yeah. That's why y'all don't ever hear about it. Y'all don't ever hear about that 01 to 05 years. Yeah, I had a, a buddy that in high school, and he was over there like 03, Maybe early 04. That's when we started really getting after it. And he said, he said, yeah, after my first deployment, they called and they were like, y'all got to stop running over people. <laughs> like in with your Humvees. Man, like, he, they had a different set of rules on there. I mean, right. If you were outside after 10 o'clock, we were on you. Yeah. I don't care what you was doing. I mean, they told us that. Both mm -hmm. countries. This is what you're here for. If you don't do that, we're going to come down on you. Right. That's how they hit us. So then, then once you know it's anything, man. Once you get your battle rhythm, it gets good to you, man. We seals, we we'll see how far we can take it. You, you got to know that. So you had been trained by people that had never been to war. Yeah. I, oh yeah, that was a big deal. That was a real big deal when we first went in there. Um, this I had the storms and the shields were my instructors, mm -hmm. and they were trained by the Vietnam dudes. The storms and the shields had an engagement, but it wasn't. A long one. So imagine how tense they were, right? They, so it was a unique time to be in, in SEAL teams. 
And not only that, once they had trained us and we got into combat, they showed up. They showed up out there with us. Right. So you had the storms, the shields, and the GWATs all in one spot. That's why it was crazy. Matter of fact, it makes sense now. I never really thought about it. But about 05 was when they probably leveled out, got all their combat experience, and went back to doing the normal leadership stuff. Right. Our brass had to catch up, and they did. And training maybe changed a little bit. Completely. Because we were I was training Vietnam tactics. When I, when I came off the plane, my first stop was Kuwait, and I had a Vietnam flak jacket on. It was green with the big pillow around the neck and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, I think, don't you have a, somebody shared a picture of it well, or something. I didn't even have a shirt on underneath. I mean, we, you got to understand, we came off it. One of my favorite. You're wearing something similar to that, at least. One of my officers, I'll never forget him. I'll never forget this. And I come walking into camp. He was sitting there, had a fire going, had his tent set up. And he had a pair of khaki pants on, cargo pants on. He had a muscle shirt, like a straight up wife beater. <laughs> tucked in and had a, a leather belt and had a, a revolver tucked in the back. And then he had a one. Remember those 1970s sweatbands, red, white, and blue ones? Yeah. He had both those on each wrist, complete with the head one. That was it. Dang. That's all he had on. Like something out of a movie. That, Better than a movie. Better than a movie. That was better than a movie. <laughs> and I remember looking at him, and I thought he, you know, he was the man. He was like, this is my boss. He's probably 27. You know what I mean? That's what <laughs> yeah. military's young guys. Right. Like our the old man, he's in his 40s, late 40s, mid 50s. The admirals and generals. That's not old though. Correct. You think it is when you're in, but yeah, military is the guy, it's all young. How old were you when you walked onto that scene? Oh, uh, that was mid twenties. Right. You know, damage age. Yeah, damage. Where you like age. to do damage? Yeah. <laughs> but so I tell you, man, I got a pure heart. That's my only saving grace. I got a wicked mind and an appetite for destruction. So did so you it, go, it was feeding all that. Did you go to Afghanistan first, then no, Iraq. Iraq? You went to Iraq. Went first. to Iraq first. They sent my brother to Afghanistan first and then I went to Iraq. Um I was there during the shock and awe. My both of them. My mom married a guy that uh Greg Coker, he was uh, um, he was over there like three weeks after, like he was in October '01, mm -hmm. and he was he was a night stalker. Yeah, yeah. And um, you guys are great. He was telling stories about, you know, there's just nothing over there yet. You know, now when you think of stories or movies, you know, there's all these bases and yeah. all this kind of infrastructure. But and being the first ones that are different. Mm -hmm. Imagine like if someone like the UN or one, another country came in and just their SF guys dropped in here, right? how we would react to them. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. wouldn't stand for that. Right. You know, Americans wouldn't stand for that. Yeah. But it could have, you know, if it does happen, then what? Then you got to, so then, then wouldn't any rules. It's just like our moral code kept us on track. And the Night Stalkers are the best, man, because they had to learn how to fly those. They knew how to fly. Like they practiced flying. Let me tell you when they got good is when they had to land in those mountains and in the cities. Like, mm hmm some of those pilots, man, would land. I mean, they'd come down in some build, in between two buildings on the street. He's like, oh, I'll get in here and watch this. And, I mean, rotors just striking either side of the building and sparks flying. And then they just dropped the ramp. He's like, you're good. Get out. And, I mean, we'd come flowing out there. And he'd be like, he'd just take. It was the sexiest shit you ever seen. Like, they'd come on rooftops and put one wheel down. Or they'd drop us in the water, and the ass end of that helicopter fills up with water. And he's just sitting there going, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these, and we're talking about 20-year-old kids flying these things. Yeah. So think about the mentality. I mean, if someone will yeah. dump them in the, in the drink or on the boat or something, be like, oh, I'll go get another bird. I'll be right back. <laughs> you know, if once you get your ass kicked in the military, if you come back with a good attitude, that, that's good. Right. If you come up with a bad one, then we'll kind of funny you into a different category. But 
So in the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I talk you go all day ahead. about the pilots, man. They just you go ahead. I uh, what were you in Ramadi with Jocko? Yeah, yeah. Is that when you were under Jocko? No, no. So he he was there with Chris Kyle and and Mikey and Mark and all, all of them. They mm. were his platoon was ahead of me. Okay. So I would gotten back from Afghanistan. I was in the hospital. I got out, and then I went to Team Five. And so when we deploy, there's there's they're, they're in order kind of deal, not team order, but like a, it's hard to explain. But anyhow, um, so he was over there. So you saw him after I saw I saw I was 05. on the Advon. Yeah, yeah. After after 05, 05 I went back yeah. in 06 and 07. And he was there. Uh, I, I I was on the Advon. I'd made some ranks, so I was in a leadership position. So I went in there first again, and um, he was there. I got you. You know him. I've not met him. No, it was just one of the books. That intimidating that, look. Books I read. Now he looks like a civilian. He's intimidating. You should have right. seen him back in the day. I can like only he, imagine. You know, his face looks like it could fit in a Spartan helmet. Perfect. Like yep. it's a whole. You know what I'm talking about? You're like I think he was should have been born back in the day, swinging yeah. an axe at somebody's head or something. Yeah, with like 300. That. Right. Yeah, being the movie 300. Right there. That's where yeah. he's at. And it, uh, he led like that. <laughs> like you talked to all those guys, you wanted to work for him. There's a couple guys underneath you, uh, his chief Tony, and then Leif Babin. Mm-hmm. who's out now they were they were all in the same platoon it sounded like hearing them uh him and i think in chris's book they talk about ramadi but like just uh the op tempo which for the non-navy seals out there i'll explain op tempo no i'm just kidding but it sounded like every night stuff was going on okay so the story's coming back from that platoon chris kyle was there and mm-hmm. this was the last stand of all the bad guys they got pushed into this town called ramadi Yes. Okay. Well, Jocko took his boys in there, and he would go out in the daytime. Yes. And he would run American flag up up a building up the side to of the start building, a fight. To start a fight. Yes. He's like, "Come on, bitches, you you want to start something? I'm I'm here. Let's roll." And I mean, would kick ass. Right? They were dropping flyers, and they were scared to death of them dudes. And then we'd just be sitting back. I was, I was still in San Diego and Coronado getting ready to come over there. And it, just reading all the after action reports were fantastic. No one can write up a, st- a story like trying to tell you how they got into a fight better than military people. Like, yeah, we rolled up on this dude, you know, like that. The lawyers hate it. We've got lawyers that have to be like, you can't write, I kill, I smoked this dude, freaking, you know, you can't say <laughs> that. You know, like, I engaged the target, and blah, 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 right? That's the one thing about SEALs being from 18 to 27. We're all litigating lawyers now. We know every rule of engagement, everyone combat. We've watched every law and order. You know, we know everything. But so Jocko was really good at writing, though, wasn't he? So like, I'm sure his after action reports Great. were. I mean, it would pull you in like a Grissom novel, <laughs> but better because you knew it was just legit. Yeah. And I remember showing up out there. I mean, it was it was freaking war. Like if you can imagine what war looks like, and then you had this ragtag bunch of seals just stuck right in the middle because we're we're kind of like bastards. Nobody. The Navy owns us, but the Army and the Marine Corps own all the battle spaces. So when we get put in there, it's at the behest of them. Mm-hmm. Back then, in those days, it was. And um, you talk about having some fun. We would just, you got to. I mean, we got to do our job, what we were trained for. Any imagination that a SEAL had of what it was to do that job, we got to do it. Yeah. And then we had... 160th with us we had the rangers the green berets and they wanted to get do their thing so all of us wanted to be there right like we wanted to be there show the gwads the, the gwads wanted to show the vietnam guys and the storms and the shields that we man we remember we learned what you taught us yeah not only that we, we want to show you 
and we did. <clears throat> we, we definitely did. So, um, how many times were you in Iraq before you went to Afghanistan? I was just once. Just once. For, yeah, for about seven months, and then I got back for about a year and some change, and then I went to Afghanistan. My, I, I rodeoed with a Marine, um, Ross Sherrod, and he was uh, he got out of basic training, and he was sitting in an airport on 9-11 like he had oh, he, didn't wow. get to, he didn't get to fly back i wonder what that was like yeah you know what i'm so, talking about like being actually at the hub at a hub when that went down right and where were uh, you at i was in school yeah yeah i was uh, we watched the second check everyone did on on and yeah, uh, everybody did but um but he was just talking about like rolling out of the back of one of those amtraks with the very first time they got shot at with a bunch of guys and you know, leaders who had never been in battle. And, uh, but he talked about, I can't remember what town it was in over there, just the largest cemetery. Oh, yeah. In the world. Yeah. And clearing out the clearing cemetery, that cemetery. Clearing the cemetery. Those are the worst. Yeah. Cause there's, there's tombs. <laughs> they're, they're above ground. At above ground. And then there are holes. Like you have guys patrolling at night just walking, bloop, disappears. So you, you, the cemetery, there's Fallujah. There's Fallujah. Fallujah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where he was. Sure Fallujah. was. Freaking Marines or an army, Belusia. So you guys would just be intertwined. Yeah, we'd just be in there time. with them like like bastards. You know, they were doing the deal, man. We'd just be on the side, <laughs> on the sides, and then we were we would provide Overwatch as snipers. Uh-huh. Like Chris, that was his deal. He wouldn't come off the gun. People always ask like, why why did he have those astronomical numbers? Because he just stay there. He just stay out there, disciplined to stay on days, and he wouldn't come off the glass. He'd just sit there and look, and just just stay hooked. Yep. The movie portrayed him pretty accurately. Yeah, he, great dude, great dude, man, country boy. How much of that played a role in the way he was, uh, you know, effective on the battlefield? Do you think? That's why he was so effective. That that is why. Well, that's why he was so effective. I mean, he was a cowboy, bull rider, <laughs> you know, grip rodeo, and just hunting. That's who do you think makes the best? Yeah, at that job. You bet. That demographic, I just, I'm looking at one of them. Yeah. You don't think I'd throw your rifle and take you out there and freaking get this done? Yes, sir. One, because you're used to it. <laughs> and my family, you got to have one kill. Even my daughters, they don't want to. I was like, hey, you're going to go out there and learn how to do that just in case you got to defend yourself or you got to eat. You bet. I don't care if you ever do it again, but you're going to do it once. And then as you grow older, you know, you're not supposed to kill, says that. Right. So that comes into play. But, well, you are supposed to kill, actually. Talking Certain about, things to eat. You bet. Talking about Chris Kyle, I was driving in traffic with, or, or actually Cowboy Cerrone was driving the, yeah. the UFC Hall of Famer. Oh, I know who he is. And <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> he was like doing. He he kind of moved, changed lanes, and just nonchalant. We we're kind of talking. Apparently, it pissed somebody off behind him, and this dude was road raging with Cowboy. Yeah, and he was doing all but pulling over. And Cowboy stayed pretty calm, but we just talked about, like, man, I c- can you imagine, like, road raging with somebody and then you get out to find out that it's about that? Cowboy Cerrone? And it reminded me of, in your, I think it's it's in service where you tell the book, the the story about Chris, where yeah. he didn't want the story told. Yeah. But where it's a good one. Those, those two guys. A couple of my guys got some stories they don't want told, but they're so damn good, I'm going to tell them. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we got them. I, I hear that all the time about the, the road rage thing. But the but those two guys they stole his truck. 
tried to steal his truck. Yeah, yeah. Didn't realize they were trying to steal the truck of the Chris most Kyle. lethal That's God's, sniper. God has a great way of kind of moving some some of the guys over in front of people that they need to be dealt with. Right. <laughs> like I, I'm a firm believer in that now. I'm like, hey, man, if God worked you over to me so you could act a fool in front of me, then that's my that's my cue to yeah. do my thing. You understand? <laughs> that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's like <laughs> on my elk hunt, the God said, if God puts an elk within bow range of you, that is God telling you that is your elk for this hunt. I mean, what you are, need to what take are the talking shot. about? Yeah. Like if, there is being humble, and then there's being so humble you don't use the gifts you've been given. Yeah, that's a good point. That's called abuse. Yeah. And, and you know, and everyone's got different skill sets. They, they just do. We're all different. Yeah. And once you acknowledge that fact, then you appreciate what their gift is, especially when they get to use it. It's like with any other person watching somebody do what they like. When you were talking about watching us do our thing, you couldn't imagine. Do you understand? When we come out and watch y'all at the arena, and I'm always thinking, I was like, yeah, I could ride that better than you could. <laughs> Guys do that. That's a that's a thing, man. For sure, we all appreciate each other's worlds because we understand how hard something is. Uh-huh. Like you compare my life off of what you've been through, mm-hmm. which means it has to be difficult because I, I know what you have to go through. So it takes a lot to do what you do. That's well, where respect comes from. And every man searches for that. That's what you want. That's why you're in money. That's why you get out and get a skill set. You get a job. Is you want respect from your fellow man. It, it, it definitely gave me, I, I want to say it was service. Like the first time I ran anything further than like three miles, my goal was last year to run to town, which was 11 miles. And uh, it, which is, I mean, I'm not trying to brag about having ran, but I was like listening to this, uh, your book describing hell week and i was at like mile five or six it was already the furthest i'd ran and then i was like i'm just gonna keep going so anyways i i listening to your book and listening giving me perspective i was like surely if these guys can make it through hell week i can at least just jog 10 miles but just the insane perspective of trying to imagine you guys going through that not to mention you know being on the mountain your experience there but just listening to hell week i can't imagine the, the perspective it gives you guys from that point forward in your life. You can do anything. You can do anything. Anything. Once they once they secure you from Hell Week, it, it, there's a physical, mental, and spiritual change that occurs. For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. can never go back. Yeah. I completely see things through a different set of lenses than y'all do. Yeah. Like, Marcus, you have to run to Houston. Okay, check. Let's do it. Let's go. I got a guy I can call that will freaking motivate me the whole way if I have problems. Yep. And that, that's perspective when you're in there going through something because we all have a cross to bear. Mm-hmm. It's going to get tacked on you. And when you're, hopefully when, you, when it does, you got some guys next to you that it's not a thing for them. There'll be some stuff that you go through that is, is simple for somebody else, but it's difficult for you. And that's why they're there. That's all guys need, too. You just got to look up, man. And the minute I thought I was suffering, I just kind of turned my head and look at one of my boys and look at their face. And be like, oh, he's definitely got it worse than me. Yeah. And then... Makes everything all right because they're not going anywhere. I mean, the stuff that comes out of it, it's, 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 it's very, very difficult, right? But 
It does. There, there are a few things that a seal goes through. Hell Week's one of them. When you get your trident stamped into your chest, physical change. Physical, mental, emotional, everything changes. You can feel it, you know it, and you don't ever take it off. Hey, you're out. Yeah, yeah. hey. That's coming at you live. Rodeotime.com. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Rodeotime.com. So if you're enjoying this episode, hopefully you'd enjoy these shirts. They just went live on Rodeotime.com. Uh, all limited edition. We got a new JB Mooney shirt. Very limited. That one will not come back. Caps, shirts, even a hoodie. Rodeotime.com. What would you advise like young people that are deciding, trying to decide whether they want to be a Navy Marine, you know, in the Navy and the Marines Army because they're nervous about if they were to fail some reason, they would then just have to be on a ship. Yeah, well, everyone fails that? down here. That's part of life. That's kind of what it is. But get that out of your head. Right. Just, just why, If you go in there thinking about this, especially if you're talking about it out loud. Yep. Like that, we, we just don't even talk about like people will start talking about bad stuff. What if this happens? I'm like, as soon as you put it in the air, yep. it's you possible. Might as, you might as well do. Yeah, because exactly. We don't do that at all. That just seems to be the, the one reason most I, I hear, you know, that's an excuse. It's not really a reason. Yeah. Because they're not committed into doing that or they're probably not their purpose. They're doing it because somebody else wants them to or they think it's they've seen something cool in it. But all that goes away when you're not having to go through it. Like my brother and I have seen some kids go in. They watch the movies and documentaries, especially when you're hanging around one of them. Mm-hmm. Like everything I'm telling you about my community is is firing you up. Like you want to go do it. Right. But I'm sitting here telling you, no, no, you don't. It's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst, hardest job on the planet of Earth. That's only a handful of us. You're not supposed to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't help it. Like it's a, like you just know. Like you know what you are. You freaking yeah. know it. And the minute you step next to something that's just like you, then you really know. Mm-hmm. And they all show up at one spot. And I mean, once you get in together, it's the greatest life. It's the greatest life. I miss it. Oh, man. I understand the purpose of it now, what it, what it was for and what it got me and where it got me. But it's like with anything, man, you can't stay in one spot and have that much fun all the time. It's not fair. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, it's like, hey, there's a reason why there's time limits. You just can't, you can't be in there. You're young guys, it's a young guy thing. Right. Then once you get your discipline, oh, you got to grow up. That's the hardest thing I ever had to do. Become an adult. Freaking hated it. One thing I observed with like a lot of rodeo cowboys talking about like being younger is it's almost just like the word is escaping me, but just like a naivety towards the dangers. Yeah. And then it's not dangerous to you when you're young. Right. It's only dangerous to you if you get when you get old. Right, like guys don't think about like what a bull or a bronc. That's or what I'm a saying. You don't have to because it's not dangerous to you. Right, your body is designed for that at an age to take that. That's why those those thoughts aren't in there. Mm-hmm. But then as you get older, what that's designed to do is like a sign telling you this ain't your job no more. Mm-hmm. You you've moved on. You can't go back. I mean, you can understand it, but you're not supposed to be in that arena. And so God changes stuff inside of you, so you will know it. Because if your body's always online in your mind, that never goes. And that spirit, man, it only gets ramped up. I mean, you don't think that I still think I can do a front flip, freaking three kicks and freaking all that? Yeah, I, in my mind, I can. If I went out there and if I tried to stand up right now, I had to give it a second. <laughs> the whole knee doesn't do what it's supposed to, right? That's God's little way of turning things off. Yep. You got to look at it like that. I mean, there are levels here. I mean, you climb in and then you go on the downside. But once you grow up, you become an adult. You'll know that because the kids around you be asking you questions. Mm-hmm. They'll need guidance. 
And that's how this whole thing works, man, is you go through your scenarios, you learn from them, then you turn around and you teach the ones coming up underneath. If you don't do that, stand by because it can get dangerous. Freaking undisciplined kids, they're dangerous, man. Yeah. I, uh, speaking of, you know, giving advice, so I usually get either a text or a call from you once, twice a month. And, um, it, 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 it's been super helpful for me, you know, with having like my dad die, you know, 10 years ago and having to navigate the world and what's going on. And so getting just occasional, you know, advice from you, for instance, you know, I think right when the Ukraine stuff happened, you know, is one of the first conversations you and I talked, but getting some advice from someone who knows more about what's going on in the world was super helpful. And then I met Travis Pastrana and turns out like he's got that same relationship with you. And it made me wonder like how many of us, you know, young guys out here, because sometimes whenever you text or call, it's very intentional and it's on a specific time. Uh, And then when you get off the phone, it's almost like, you know, you, you're very scheduled about it. And it made me wonder, like, maybe there's like a dozen of like Dale Brisby, Travis Pastrana's like people that Marcus has under his wing. That he took. Can't imagine what kind of team I got. Yeah. It's taking me a long time to build you all up, but I got you. <laughs> and I don't want to, I'm not even, I don't even want you to tell me who they are, but do, how many, how many? Or you can't tell me that either. Oh. It's all, it's all top secret. Classified. It's all classified. Well, but, if you knew there was one, you got to know there's, 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 there's others. Right. Yeah. I, you I are. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's, that's like in your arena. Right. Like you, the best way I ever heard this explained is like, so everything down here is a vibrational tone. You understand that? Mm-hmm. Like even this table vibrates at a certain, where it makes it a solid, right? When you turn on the radio, there's a certain music you like to listen to because it catches you, right? It's that vibrational tone that they're pitching out. Imagine your birthday is your radio station. When people listen to you talk, man, they like the way you, your, your tone, the way you sing, the way you speak. It like catches them. It doesn't matter what you're saying, man. I just like to hear you talk. You you understand what I'm saying? Yep. yep. Okay. You speak a certain language that only certain people can hear. I got you. Now, if I took you over to the NASCAR (laughs) folks and we want to sit down and start talking NASCAR, but you're throwing rodeo terms, they may get it. Most likely they won't. Right. You understand where I'm going yes, with that? Absolutely. Okay. That's where slang, that's where it talks about multiple tongues. Yep. How many can you speak? Right. You speak yours definitely, and you definitely speak in mine now. You understand? I can hear some of the verbiage out of your mouth. You're learning my language. Yes, sir. You can hear what I'm saying? Good. That's the best. It's called the void. There's a there's a place down here called the void. All right. And there's there's the talking and the living and the normal life stuff. And then there's the interim when you get in the middle of it. And you Man, not only do you hear what you're, each other are saying, man, like it resonates. Like I, I don't get offended at all. I can understand where you, and I, I can see it. I can see why you see that. Uh-huh. And then I'm able to take what I can see in your world and turn it around verbiage-wise and give it to somebody else. And the only reason we ever get in fights, arguments, or anything like that is because of the difference of communication. Well, one of the ways that you saw, like in my world, and you, you were talking about one of the times that we've t- – had those conversations you talked about fear yeah and the difference in fear and being anxious and how that um plays a role in the way you 
move forward. Yeah. And, you know, you had taken your experiences and then you used them compared to like the way I might respond in the rodeo arena and um, how we should address that with life. That was one of the times that it was super impactful. One of the the little ways that you spoke that language, I guess, filled, filled that void. Yeah. So imagine every fear that you come up to is like a rope that's attached on one of those little uh, stands. Yep. Like the purple rope. A thing. stanza. Is that, is that what it's called? I think nice. it's called a stanza. Very good. Maybe. We got a judge's ruling on that, but it sounds right. Yeah, Jamie, can you look that up for us? So when uh, every time that fear comes in, there's that rope. But I mean, once you unhook it or you step over it, right? Or if someone lets you in, you get, then you start to see. And it's kind of fear is your fuel for your willpower. It's almost what you're supposed to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Imagine the greatest gifts that you have are your greatest weaknesses down here. So as you go through life, they present themselves. <sighs> Dang. You know what I mean? Deep water and heights. <laughs> yeah, heights get me. I'm not a big fan of jumping out of airplanes. Flying that, through the sky like that gives me. I mean, I got some. Some of my guys love it. They, they freaking know their angels and they can fly through there. And I mean, they just. But every time I get up there, I'm like, man. And then I spend most of my time underwater. I don't really have a problem with that. Being underwater is easy. But well, yeah, you kind of grew up. Or I got that part. Under, yeah, yeah. They, That's uh, the one thing I was. I will say I was good at. So the so, I love how you're describing that and like the way when you are fearful of something or nervous about something, that's what you're meant for. So, cause I could just imagine there might be times when you're on your way in the back of a helicopter where, or, or was it even, was that one of those moments where that little Here's feeling where your friends like, come. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The anticipation of death is worse than death. Yeah, yes. worse than death itself. So just I, like at a rodeo. Absolutely. Well, same with a fight. As soon as that first punch is thrown, you're like, then it's on. It's on. Right. Exactly. And and it's the same way. As soon as that that ramp goes down and we fast rope out. And believe it or not, there's a couple of guys that I always look to, like the Stoics. Mm -hmm. Like the faces never change no matter what we're doing. These are their voice inflection or the tone. Like, hey, you doing? It's pretty bad. Yeah, you doing? This is great. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Them guys. Like Jocko, maybe. Jocko, thank you. (laughs) And he's just like, man, he always looked like he knew what he was doing. That's a confidence. Like guys resonate with that. You need one, you need one, just one. Yeah. And I could, you know, you can feel it. The spidey sense, that's real. Yep. You can, you can sharpen that sucker. So even when that thing would be going off, once you know what you are, all it takes is somebody to remind you. And then if there's nothing else down here more deadly than you are. It, it removes all doubt. Yep. And we know that just because that's a fact. I, uh, I got to go on Derek Wolf's podcast the other day. He's a defensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. He just retired. And mm-hmm. He won a. He was in the NFL for ten years. He won a, a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. But I asked him what he missed the most, and like as quick as he could answer, he kind of looked up for a second, but he just went straight to. He said uh, the violence, and I it made me gave me chills just because he's not one of those guys that you think about. Well, being in the NFL for 10 years, you know, multiple combat deployments would be the same thing. It's just like you're obviously not one of those guys that let let him have me. I want to just have – this is something I want to have done. Yeah. This is rather than this is something I enjoy doing and I'm going to miss that feeling of nervousness but then overcoming it, stepping off sure. the helo. I didn't come here to get hurt. I came here to hurt you. 
That's just the way it is. That kind of mentality. And especially when you're, I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like in the league, but when you're going against other guys and like you hit them and they go down and they come, I mean, you know, you physically hit them. Right. And they stay. And they stand up like, that's a good shot. Or something like that. Right. And you're like, uh -huh. that, that has to do something to a man. Like when you have that ability to freaking think about discipline, they have not to go around town and wreck everybody just because they can. I mean, they have that ability. What's stopping them from doing that all the time? Discipline and, right. and love. Thank God. Yes. I got, I got a whole crew of guys that love to kill things. Thank God we have discipline because if we if you said something I didn't enjoy, no kidding, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no one ever thinks about that anymore, but you should. Yeah, the most dangerous thing down here is that human. Yeah, that's what you know. Jordan Pearson talks about being dangerous, but then being able to control it. Those are the most dangerous guys you got. Did Did you ever feel like talking about your ability and being dangerous and stepping off that helo? Did you ever feel like when you did after the first punch? I feel like. The best way, after reading all your books, all these, your guys' books, like, they would really, the only time they might have an upper hand on you is if they had way more numbers. Did you ever feel like you met, like, someone who had some sort of training where it's just like, oh, this is a good fight, even just one-on-one? Oh, on yeah. One? yeah. The Chechnyans are good. Oh, the redheads. Man, there's some boys over there. That, all the mountain boys can fight. They whipped our ass. Yeah. I mean, they're... I'm real upfront about that. Really? Oh yeah, I'm not one of them guys. Be like, oh, a bunch of punks. Like, no. Mm -mm. And if you're badass, and I know it, I'll tell everybody that you are. You bet. That's just that's a warrior mentality. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a warrior mentality. Don't so, take anything away from them on their fight capacity. Right. Like talking smacks, talking smack. I can do that all day long. But like, if we're doing a straight up conversation, like, yeah, man, it's freaking tough. Why do you think we're fighting? Yeah. I mean, that's just that's how it is. Yeah, but then, you, so, you'd know, you'd know, and we'd know because there was a couple of snipers. Chris killed a lot of them that would be out there that were real good. Yeah, and guys would just be dropping. And that's intimidating when you got somebody shooting at you. you know where it comes from? That's demoralizing, actually, because you don't know where to go. Yeah, God. like hey, I'm gonna hide behind that barrel. I'm like, well, what if he's on that side? No kidding. The, the snipers are the worst. Yeah, I mean, because you just literally don't know. You try to take off running. I'm like, well. Yeah, I want you to run. Yeah, then I'm gonna do, really have some fun with you. So then you see these guys kind of doing all the zigzag, and like, you know, well, how do you even get out of that? I remember there was a few times we got hit by some snipers, and it was like, whew, man. And then there's that's all they do over there. There's plenty of time to work. Like grenade teams, these grenade teams would show up on us, three or four guys, man, and just work us. Like they had all the tech because they know the the terrain, the area where the I mean, we may know the buildings and the sides of the buildings, but they know where the damage is on the street uh -huh. and like what doors are open and who lives in where and who's cool and who's not cool. I always think about it like that. Imagine us going overseas into a city and and fighting the, the bloods of the Crips. Yep. In their own neighborhood. It's just not a good, you know, you just wouldn't do that. Yeah. And if we did do it, we'd have to go in there for some destruction because the house, you know what I'm talking about? It's just like, uh -huh. man, they just move and they'll come back around. If you don't live in somewhere and trying to occupy, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. It was an impossible job we put on them younger. I mean, think about us 18 to 25. That's who you send over there to be diplomats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're just, that's not what we do at, at that age. Ross, okay. Ross said they had a lot of snipers even over on the end of like the, the cemetery. That's what, yeah. In Fallujah. That would be, Man, that dude, would they were be. everywhere. 
And then they'd be, but the, and sometimes they'd even be like in a mosque where you guys couldn't hospital. do anything. The, there was one guy who was in a hospital. We think he was one of the doctors. Really? Yeah, he was. He was a he was a good sniper too because he would take one shot, one kill, and then he, he wouldn't. We wouldn't hear from him again for a few days. Dang. And then he was like, he was a level three sniper because he could drop moving targets. He could hit. He could hit some of our guys while they were moving. And then um, always out of the, out of that hospital. And then we think he just hide his weapon up in the ceiling. Oh, we couldn't go in there. And then the mosques. We couldn't. We weren't allowed to go in there either. Because we had morals and they didn't. Yeah, most people overlook that. I mean, we're we're very violent. We're men of violence. We're not really violent men. I mean, some of my guys are violent, but if you put a rule on us, we follow it. Yeah, that's what soldiers do. Seals do. I mean, we're not just out there inadvertently just doing our thing, man. But once you tell us to do it, now get out of the way. That was one thing I didn't realize before reading the, all those books. And every book, you know, it talked about rules of engagement yeah. and like how much of an issue that was just internally for everybody and mm-hmm. having to, like, it just seemed to really, obviously you guys too, you know, it may be, it that, got that to might us be the pinnacle. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, might, but I mean, eventually got to us. Right. Just like a lot, a lot of, a lot of the regular army guys, the grunts and everything that they'd have to be shot. Uh-huh. Or I'll give you a, for instance, we were, we were doing a sniper overwatch mission and we were in this, in this building and there was a guy, there was an army guy, he had a 60 with him. And then one of my snipers was in the tower with him. And they started taking gunfire into the tower. He's like, hey, man, hit him with that 60. He's like, man, if I ain't getting hit, I can't shoot back. That's what he said to me on the radio. I was like, mm, all right. I was like, well, just do your deal. Start shooting. To my guy. Yeah. But, yeah. There were certain times in the war, like when they were trying to cease, you know, trying to do the diplomatic thing. And they would, we would obviously have to be like that. Yeah. So if you if you run across a GWAT man, he's he's got a lot of skills. Yeah, not just gunfighting skills. He's got people skills. Right, because you you just had to had to from every situation. Yep. Dang, what um, one of the things that I asked you in when I was on your podcast, I was talking about man, if something was gonna, I think the way I worded it was like if something was going to happen with our country, would it now be a good time? since we have all these war fighters that are trained, you know, people like yourself that are now training the up and coming, you know, 18, 19 year olds. How do you feel about that? And and this is kind of maybe more a little bit of a selfish question for, for my peace of mind moving forward. How do you feel about the timing of everything that's going on in the world today? And does it give you peace moving forward? Not complete peace. I, I don't have a worry at all. Really? Nope. Not one. At all. Yeah. Excited, actually. Yeah. And when it comes to our country, if anybody's out there in America and you're worried about it, let me tell you something. There's a big difference between training to fight and actually being in one. Those are huge differences. So for the last 20 years, your boys and girls have been training. We've actually been fighting, and now we're back. We made, we made it back home. So just kind of sitting around. Yeah. And if you, if you can imagine if anything was to come into this country, what they would run into, you just think they're going to run into the Army and the Marine Corps. That's not at all what lives in here. They'll run into every sci-fi monster, every animal, every Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Predator. People will come out of the woodworks to do stuff just to see if it works. All my farmers will be running over you with tractors and hay spikes. Yeah. I'll have every 18-wheeler blocked every road and run over every tank because my people like to fight. Yeah. American. You want to know why America's always in something? 
Well, one, we're made up of everybody. And two, we like to fight. Yeah. We just do. And for anybody to deny that would be lying to all of us. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Especially if there's a reason. Like a lot of our guys, you know, like talk smack, whatever, man. But if, you, if we got a solid reason, like with Israel, that says in the Bible, man, you're supposed to back them up. That's what I know. Period. Yeah. That's why everybody's like, hey, like you got Ukraine, all these political wars jumping off. That's one thing. When something serious jumps off, like like serious, everyone knows about it. Right. Like if people are complaining about the weather and who you're sleeping with, everything's great. Everything's great. Yep. If you're complaining about them things. When things get hard, you'll know it. All that kind of silliness will go away. Personal stuff. All the personal baggage will go away when war kicks off, especially if it happens in here. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But the way things are looking, it probably wouldn't happen in here. No, I don't have it somewhere else. Yeah. How different, you know, I was listening to somebody talk. They were, I think it was on Sean Ryan's show. I was listening to a CIA guy talk about how every war is different. They're not going to look the same. Even like you had prepared for like Vietnam. Well, then Iraq was really different. You know? Oh, yeah. And so, like, if there is another war, it would look completely different. Even oh. Ukraine was like a proxy war. Look, we have sat. The satellites in space now, everyone knows where you're at. Mm-hmm. They can see underwater. They know when you're coming, what you're fueling up, what you're firing, where you're. I mean, there's no, there's no surprise attacks anymore. That, that's gone. All right, my generation was the last of all that. We, we got full benefit. We got the tech and the old school, new school war for the GYs. Right. These new alphas, they're alphas. I think they're calling them alphas now. The alphas that are online and then whatever that generation is, this is different. This is a game ender. So well, how we, would the next war potentially look? This is just, it'd be everybody fighting in one spot and then fire. Because usually people who can't fight well have the most dangerous weapons. So you got to think that somebody will have had enough. I mean, it's just always something to fight about. Yeah. If you understood why your purpose, why you're really, really down here, you wouldn't wouldn't do that. You wouldn't fight. We're, we're, we're actually built for better things. We're actually built for greatness. Mm-hmm. So to be to be doing that is, is something. But talks about it. I mean, how long? There's just enough's enough, right? And you got to finally just say, hey, we all grew up that way. You know, somebody picking on you, messing with you all the time, man, after that fight goes down, it's over. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything's usually cool. But the next one will be, that'll be all, everything's in, whatever we got to play with, it'll be in the war. Everything. Yeah. And we, we already dropped a, uh, a nuke. Two, we, when we dropped those two, two bombs, three, I mean, excuse me, we changed rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Well, like we initiated that. Right. So. Well, that's, uh, that's comforting to hear you just talk about, you know, like how little, you know, you're worried, you know. I don't worry. Worries, no. Mm. Yeah. You can't imagine what that would be like. Just because our guys love to make the stories. And my guys and girls, my the G-Watts, have fought with the chain around their neck their whole life. Mm-hmm. You'll never actually, no matter what you've heard about us, it was nothing, it was probably 40% of what we're capable of because of the rules and everything. A real war is like, hey, man, I came here. I'm going I'm to I'm get rid of you. Yeah. There's, I mean, we're not talking about nothing. What are you, what are you even talking about? Yeah. So... That's just the way it is. 
It's 20 years of war. Uh, housing crisis, a freaking pandemic. I yeah. mean, a biblical freeze, a biblical heat strike, you know, a, a biblical flood. You beat our people to death in every way, in every capacity. They're upset. They just got over being sick, so they're kind of hungover. You don't think that the, the, when you step back and actually look at the earth and what everyone's having to go through, everybody's pretty worked up about something. Yeah. Okay. Kind of hard to calm down from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just hard to calm down from that, especially when people start fighting. So. What, um, how's your brother feel? He's the same way I do. He got sent up there for a reason. He's trying to figure all that out. I mean, we were talking earlier, there's no leadership yep. in any of the houses. Right. None. And, um, yeah, they don't, they he's don't, brand new up there. They don't have a leader in the house. Oh, I have a leader in the Senate. He's been, he's checked out. mentally compromised. And then obviously POTUS has been mentally compromised as well. Checked I mean, out. We can all see that. Yeah. Checked out vacation. Whatever you want. How, you know, be polite. I'm him trying and, to be polite. Him in the Senate. Yeah. yeah. They're, let's go get some ice cream. I'm not saying anything that's not true or Absolutely. a fact. So, I mean, if you're wondering why things are difficult now, and it's funny because right in the middle of when America is going through what we're going through is when the world's falling apart. That done, I mean, I, I don't, coincidences aren't really a thing for me, but yeah, they, they, a lot of people are putting this together, right? A lot of people are realizing, like, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Well, and even the rest of the world is like, if we're going to do anything out of line, we need to do it now while America's not paying attention. Yeah. I think it all started because people let stuff slide. Uh huh. Like, I, I like the political game and the way they're going back and forth. I get that. It's kind of rhetoric, but the minute they relaxed the grooming standards in the Senate mm -hmm. is when, when I noticed. Yeah. That's when I took attention. Because if you let that slide, what else do you let slide? And that's all it takes is for leadership to let something slide. Because if the kids are looking at it, then it must be okay. That's how this works. Yeah. That's why you have to act a certain way. That's why you have to grow up. And they're, well, not, they're not doing that up there. Well, there's, there's literally, so like kids going through boot camp right now, they've got like, you know, a, a version of DJ Shipley as their drill instructor who's been through all this that? stuff. Yeah, right. You know, so like that, that would be what would encourage <laughs> yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, because not that you, I mean, you guys in, in 01, like you said, the Desert Storm guys were, you know, but Desert Storm wasn't quite GWAT. And I just, I think that there's a, there's a little something to the fact that, you know, there's this whole nother level of experience out there. And the stories, you know, that are fresh. Yeah. So that's encouraging to me, you know, uh, getting drawn, trying to draw the good out of the bad. The only difficulty I see it is that the kids that are going into the uniform are becoming exceptionally strong and the ones that aren't are becoming exceptionally weak. And so when you divide them like that, I'm curious as to what the relationship will be. You bet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you got the kid, the, the, the COVID babies, they missed all that school. So then, if they're not educated and they're mentally weak and then they're physically weak and they're spiritually weak, <laughs> you understand all the things, all the things. Yeah. It's like a, one of those wouldn't be bad. You could, one, two of them wouldn't be bad. There'll be like a chunk of people yeah. coming through of a certain We got age. people won't, that went underground, won't come back up. Yeah. I mean, they're probably still down there. Yeah. And, and, and if they're not physically, they're mentally. That's right. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I've been talking about this a lot. You hear that mind, body and spirit, mind, body and spirit. Everybody's heard that. Even if you're, if you've studied it. So there's three types of humans. You got body people. You can tell when they walk in the door. He wasn't born looking like that. Yes, sir. You got to earn that. Not only do you have to earn it, you have to hold it. 
Right. So when you see somebody walk in the door, you automatically know that they got discipline and they can take pain and they'll stick to a routine. And you ask them too, like, Hey man, what, why do you go to that gym? Why do you do well, that workout? And they'll be like, this is how it, this is how it affects my body. Not only that, this is what I say. This thing's made of clay. After two weeks, you can mold it. Seeing how big you can make. I mean, the physical changes and there's that void we talked about. There are things that come with that mm-hmm. confidence, courage, commitment comes with, with strength. Then you got the people who are the minds. You can't really identify them unless they open their mouth. And as soon as they do, you kind of got them. Mm-hmm. And most of the kids who like to, you're like, hey, why do you go to that gym? Why do you read the, why, why that schoolhouse gym? Same thing. Why do you read those books? Why do you study that philosophy? Because it does this. Okay. Most of the kids who go to the body kids, don't go to, they go to the gym. They don't like going to the schoolhouse. Right. And the mind kids, the smart kids, don't like going to the gym. Well, then you got spirits. You can see them. They're usually wearing beads, got some crystals tucked in their pants. They smell a certain way. They hit you with a Bible. When they open their mouth, the way they move, you can see a spirit. Yep. They usually don't like going to the gym. <clears throat> Knowing what happens when you train your body, and it does that, and you get all of this stuff by training your body. Like there is physical and emotional and spiritual things that go with training that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a visual sign that if you train that, it will change. Knowing what happens when you read certain philosophies and you read certain books and what, when you store them, when you manifest that in your head, it changes a person. Right. You can tell by the way they walk. Yeah. Knowing what happens when you train the mind and the body, when you go into the, to the train the spirit, like why, do you, why, that, why that spiritual Kung Fu? Why, why Baptist? Why Methodist? Why do you go to that spiritual gym? It does this for me. All right. You ever run across anybody that trains all three of them? Probably not. Not very many. They're rare. They're rare. But if you take the time to train each one of those, you can't believe what it'll do to you. That's called getting your mind, body, and your spirit in line. They'll talk to each other. And knowing that you can... Look, look at Mr. Olympia. That's somebody who's committed to his body. Right. You find somebody who's committed to all three of those like that? I mean, you got plenty of time in your day. Man, yeah. it just... When someone told me, when they explained it to me like that, I was like, oh, I'm hearing you now. I, I get the breakdown on that. And I understand now why people are like, hey, you need to get to church. You need to get to the schoolhouse. You need to get to the gym. Because in order to live down here, you got to have all three of those to survive. Because life will kill the body. A human can kill the mind, and a, and a situation can kill the spirit if they're not trained right. Yeah. And you know as well as I do, you can get through something, mind and body, but if it broke your spirit, you just can't even lift this thing. It'll It, it just... That's your driver. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it says that we're not from here. Yeah. This is your avatar. You've been tucked in that sucker. Yeah. And the mind is a computer that works all that together. You're in here trying to drive this thing. That's such a good point. You know, like when my dad died, there was a brief moment where just like I couldn't operate. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. You know, I mean, it didn't take me long because there was a lot of peace wrapped up in, yeah. you know, his because I just, I was at peace with where I, he was, and I was at peace with the way I was going to move forward. But for a brief moment there, it just felt lost and like it broke my spirit for a moment. And I just, nothing else mattered physically, mentally, nothing else mattered. Yeah. Sometimes it's situational, turn all that off. You ever felt that moment where just a heart feels it? Mm-hmm. Like not your body. It's like somebody grabbed a hold of your heart and squeezed that thing. It has its own emotions. It's its own thing. It's not just your pump, man. That thing's right. got a memory. And it's got emotions in it. So I guess like 
in the moment. That's what blows my mind about you guys when you're in war. You don't have time to grieve and address your spirit because there's still bullets flying. That's right. And so to me, that's something maybe maybe it is something training can get you ready for, but it just so I, I, I kind of use this analogy when I go to describe that. It's almost when you go into the military and you, and you go into the combat realm, it's like walking into the gym and all you're doing is working out mm-hmm. the whole time until you get out. Then is when you're going to feel being sore. Then is when you're going to feel your pain. But it lasts instead of one day, it lasts for one year, two years, or three years. So you never have time. As most people, when they go through a situation, they have time to grieve. And there's the, the, the seven levels of grieving and whatever. And then you process it and you go on. But by the time we start processing the bad situation, another one just showed up. Right. So that so it, it just pushed the other one out the door. You don't even think about it. It's in there though. Oh, it's in there. But they just keep stacking them up for us for 20 years. So guys will get out and they'll start thinking about it. Reflection. In the beginning, you receive, then you reflect, and then you respond. So I, they're in their, their reflection part. I had, I was talking to a SEAL that was saying he felt like one of the major reasons that guys do have trouble when they get out is not necessarily that they lost a buddy while they were in because that's where that buddy wanted to be. Yeah, that's not. He said it was, he he felt like a lot of the explosions and just the way it messed with their head yeah. played a big role. Oh, yeah. You know, like CT. Well, that's the injury. Like my right. guys have injuries. Like traumatic break, their head's been knocked and, and, and bruised and beaten. And yeah, that's a real thing. Breaching and all that. Cause they don't even care. Like my breachers, dude, the breachers are freaking. Yeah. They just, we didn't think about this stuff. We didn't think we we're going to live this long. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. Like we just didn't think we were going to live to be in this, this part of it. Right. So now the guys are like, you know, I get these headaches. And I'm like, well, yeah, I yeah. know that's because all the C4 that blew up around your head. I was, you know, I was standing in the rocks and the J and then someone yelling at you and falling down and then going, falling down scuba the down, yeah, falling down the mountain and going underwater on scuba for eight hours and coming back up, jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. There's probably something in there. that got a little tweak. Don't worry. We'll fix it. Yeah. Just, just hold the line boys. You know what I mean? I just, my guys don't care. Yeah. Like seal was designed for that. Take risks, die if necessary. That's the sexiest thing we ever heard. Yeah. Hard part for us is being civilized. That's why I tell all my guys now, I'm like, hey, look, when you, just imagine you never get out of SEAL teams. Your new assignment was to be a civilian. You're undercover. Like you, your job is to marry that lady, protect her, raise her kids, get them to school, do what she says. Oh, by the way, she outranks you. You can't yell back. <laughs> and then I, I've been telling my guys this too. Just this might sting a little bit. All right. But if I ever, or excuse me, if you ever caught anybody talking to your wife and kids the way you do, you'd kill them. Mm. Not talk down to them, not hurt them, not beat on them, yeah. kill them. Yeah. You understand that? And when I say it like that, they feel that. They hear that and they understand it. Mm-hmm. Like you have been trained to take this pain for them. I, you've actually been trained to defend people from you. Right. From you. Yeah. And when I tell them like that, they, you know, sometimes you just got to remind them of what they are. I don't yell at them, man. I just remind you uh-huh. of what in the hell you are because that's a thing. And then they just keep going. You only got one day down here, man. That's why our phrase is the only easy day was yesterday. You know, we got today. Are you training? Do you, is there any sort of ongoing training you do? Like any fighting Me? firearms in the gym? Oh, yeah, every day. I have a routine I, I, every day. 
and then it goes, I have a daily routine that I do. And then there's also a monthly routine. So like when the holidays, every, every month is something different. It's like a reward. Okay. So you do something each month. You can break this down to the coffee you drink at a certain time. It's like a reward instead of just like something that you do. And I absolutely. What's your routine? What month? October. Okay. So it's Halloween. Okay. So, and it's also the holiday season. So through the summer, starting about January, February, you get in shape. So all the way through the summer. And then as soon as you hit October 31st, baby, that's the belly, the beer, and good food. So you're just kind of. Just chill. Laid back. Yeah, especially you go, you relax. That's you, your you got to have some relaxed time down here. Yeah. Okay. That's why the holidays are good food. Everybody's in a good mood. It's like you kicked your ass and you got your ass kicked all year. And now we're just going to come, come we're going to kind of relax this thing a little bit. Do the stretch. Like I'll switch my foods, my diet, my what I drink when the months roll around as opposed to the hot and the cold. I heard you say that on a podcast that you do, you go hard January and through whatever, yeah, and then you take a break. That's right. So January, you know, you've been off for the holidays. You, you don't want to work out. You're out of shape. So what I do is for January, I drive down to the gym and just walk in there. I don't even work out. Right. You just get your body used to being there. This is the best way to do this. Everybody wants to lift three, 400 pounds. I was like, we're going to start by one pound, not 20, 50, and 80. Like you want to lose twenty pounds, we're gonna start with one. I bet you I can get you on a out of that funk quicker than anybody. You bet. Because I break it down by the moment. I was like, we're just gonna look at the gym for a month. Look at the gym. Just gonna look at it. Think about how good we're gonna look when we come out of there. Yep. And then you go down there and you do kind of like maybe I'll pick a weight up and put it over on and be like, oh, that's good for the day, man. You know, that might have been my my bad day. I'm gonna this that and the other. And then you go in there and you got your simple workout and you build up to it. And when you do it that way, your body wants it. Uh-huh. It's like when you feed a drug to it, when you feed any kind of food to it, man, it gets kind of used to it as opposed to just plowing it in there because then it'll react like it got hurt. Right. Like a lot of people, I'll see you walk in there and they'll shock the body. That's good for kids. You can shock the shit out of them. But like for an adult, when you get older, man, no. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. It's like with anything else you do, man. As long as you're slow is smooth, smooth is fast, your body will react and it remembers too. So second month after you're working out, is it like a lot of free weights? And yeah, so I have to stuff? go down to, I go to a, a place in Florida, a hospital. I live in there, and I've been doing it for 16 years now in February. Okay. And that gets me, I mean, my body remembers it. Dang. The minute I walk in there, it starts. It, it won't eat certain foods. And once you once you routine your body enough, it'll start doing it automatically, especially with the, when the seasons change. Imagine how long it takes you to like something and then get bored of it. You want to know uh-huh. how long? Three months. You know why? Because seasons change every three months. You don't like the heat? Wait three months. It'll change. You don't like the cold? Wait three months. It'll change down here. If you don't like anything, it'll change, including you. That's what happens. That's the one constant down here is that we change. What if I don't like coal? Well, that's the cool part about it because we got different environments you can go live in, right? Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's how it works. So it's <laughs> like you can condition this thing to do anything, and it will react and respond. Yeah. Um, did you – do you – do any like hand to hand like we we just started training jujitsu. Oh, good for you at the, at the gym. We got a turns out in my town of five hundred. There's a black belt. Yeah, and so um, he's coming in twice a week in the mornings. That's good. So I have the kids now. Uh huh. And and I grew up studying away too. So they have I take them to jujitsu and I take the you got to be a ground you got to have a ground game and a striking game. Okay. So you get your jujitsu, but then make sure you do a basic karate or muay thai or boxing. Be great. If you do wrestling, make sure you have a stand up game. Because okay. all fights start from your feet. Right. Usually right out, especially out here. Think about that. Most, that, people, most people don't want to go to the ground, especially what environment you're in. But if you do go to the ground, 
jujitsu's for that. So I've I I have thought about that a lot because I think if someone it would take I, I don't have any desire to go start a fight at all zero never have. But if it, if a fight did start with me, not only would it start standing up, but it would probably very quickly go into them grabbing my hair. Yeah, of and course. so that's what that's what's motivated me. Maybe that alone has motivated me to start jujitsu because uh, I was talking to Cerrone about it, and I was like, really, the only thing I have going for me is I'm not in terrible shape, and I know that I'll try real hard. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't quit as easily as the next person they grab. But other than that, I am helpless. Yeah, so remember, the first person to lose a fight, first person to lose an argument, and the first person to lose their cool. First person to start breathing hard. As soon as you lose your breath. The breath's the most important thing we got down here. You know that. It's the first thing you do when you're born. It's the last thing you do when you die. You're, you're trying to learn how to control that sucker. Gotcha. So the reason you, I mean, if a fight started behind you and you got knocked on the ground and then you roll over your jujitsu, boom, it's there. 